The WBEN All Local. All Local. A daily look at what's happening in Buffalo, Western New York, and the world. I'm Susan Rose. I'm Brian Mazurowski. We're following the devastating wildfires on the Hawaiian island of Maui. Officials say at least 36 people are dead right now. Dozens injured after these wind-driven fires. Thousands of people were forced to evacuate yesterday when the flames tore through Lahaina, a popular resort town, destroying entire neighborhoods. This whole area, that Lahaina area, there's really only one way and one road that goes in and out. So it's very, very challenging just to get around there. Uh, It's on a normal day, you have a ton of traffic. Now in this situation, and these folks who were trying to get out of there were describing the scene where they were stuck on the road as fire sort of enveloped them on each side of the road. It was incredibly scary and so difficult to evacuate and get people out. That's Gio Benitez. He's on Maui. Uh, The scene, uh, the images coming out of there just look apocalyptic or like a war zone. Uh, There's said to be hundreds of people stranded at the airport trying to get flights to get out. Many uh, places just totally gone. If you look at some of the overhead shots, we'll be bringing you the latest from Hawaii throughout the morning. Meanwhile, back here, cost overruns at the new Bills Stadium, something we're tracking three months after construction began. The Bills facing a potential cash crunch with the latest projections having the team on the hook for as much as $300 million in cost overruns. That's according to the Associated Press. What was initially estimated to cost $1.4 billion in March of last year increased to $1.5 billion months later. Now projected to have jumped to as high as $1.7 billion. Last week, a report in The Athletic reported the final price tag could reach $1.9 billion as material costs rise over the next few years. The bills are contractually required to cover any overruns beyond the then-agreed-to cost of $1.4 billion as part of the tentative deal the team reached with the state and Erie County 16 months ago. Increased labor and material costs were cited for the increased price. Well, big concerts on the Outer Harbor putting that piece of land in focus. In particular, if anything can be done to alleviate the problems seen getting home when the events are over. WBEN's Max Ferry joins us with more. As thousands of concert goers attend musical performances happening regularly in the summertime at Buffalo's Outer Harbor, some are starting to take notice that the peninsula is not very well equipped to handle the significant traffic that comes before and after the events. Limited ports of entry I think is a really important thing. Is there, of course, hours of waiting um, for cars to get in and out. And also people who want to use the Outer Harbor for other things are not able to do so during that time because of not only because of the traffic, but because of the noise and light that goes on there. I think it's really important to just remember that it's a peninsula. And the geometry of a peninsula is that there's one way in and one way out. Linda Schneekloff, architecture professor at UB and member of our Outer Harbor Coalition. This has resulted in concert goers taking alternate routes to try and beat the vehicle traffic. Most recently, there have been reports of people walking Buffalo Skyway, putting their lives at risk. Schneekloff believes huge concert events shouldn't be on the Outer Harbor in the first place. She also mentions not much can be done infrastructure-wise to alleviate this problem, but she does think more coordinated transportation could be a solution. Could be possible that they could provide public buses in, in different ports downtown or different areas next to, to larger parking areas. There's a possibility that if they were willing to pay for that, um, that that would be a good public service. But otherwise, one way in, one way out. 
Schneekloff raises many environmental concerns regarding the harbor development. You can hear her full thoughts at WBEN.com. This is Max Ferry for WBEN.com News. Max, thank you for that. The Erie County Health Department says a migrant settled in the area has been diagnosed with tuberculosis, the one individual currently isolating and is receiving treatment. The health department says initial medical screenings have been completed for these individuals and are now insisting on complete tuberculosis screenings. The county is using state funds to help Jericho Road complete the task. In a statement to WBEN, the health department said that Vaccinators and staff were on site at a hotel yesterday to respond to the diagnosis. Well, the state is looking to modernize and improve its cybersecurity plans. WBEN's Tom Puckett has the latest on Governor Hochul's announcement yesterday. Governor Hochul says the state's new cybersecurity strategy clarifies agency roles and responsibilities, outlines how existing and planned initiatives and investments knit together into a unified approach. A lot of vulnerabilities. We're boosting our cybersecurity information, tools, and information services across the state. And it's going to be sophisticated. It's sophisticated. It's not just being attacked and then trying how to figure out cleaning up. I am always, whether it's crime on the streets, crime in our subways, I'd rather be preventing crimes than solving crimes. Hochul says there are three central principles, unification, resilience, and preparedness. I think it's great. Cybersecurity expert Michael McCartney. He's doing all the right things, in my opinion. It's the same thing we tell companies. Upgrade your infrastructure. We call it an infrastructure refresh. Update you, make sure your systems are running all the latest operating systems, software, all the software that runs on those systems is all up to date and patched. But McCartney says he has one big concern about this strategy. Find out about that online. Tom Puckett, WBEN.com News. Just hours before President Biden arrives in Utah, the FBI raided a home outside Salt Lake City, fatally shooting a man as agents tried to arrest him for threatening to assassinate the president. Authorities say 75-year-old Craig Robertson made credible threats on social media. We have more on this. An official tells ABC News the FBI's investigation into Robertson began back in April. The Secret Service was notified in June and that Robertson was making plans to take physical action. That's Mola Lenghi reporting. It's sad news yesterday about the passing of a music legend. Robbie Robertson, co-founder of the band, has passed away. Robbie Robertson was the guitarist and eventually main songwriter of the band, which formed out of the backing group for Bob Dylan in the 60s. They released seven studio albums between 1968 and their breakup in 1976, two of which hit the top 10. Their 1976 farewell concert, The Last Waltz, was filmed by Martin Scorsese. Robertson would go on to work on the music on over a dozen Scorsese films, starting with Raging Bull and ending with the upcoming Killers of the Flower Moon, out later this year. We're told Robbie Robertson died at his home in Los Angeles after a long illness. He was 80 years old. Jason Athenson, ABC News, Hollywood. You know, when you think of him, you think about, like, he's brought the sound of American music, it seems. Yeah. Um, I mean, the weight, right? Legendary. Yes. I, a lot of people would put that as maybe one of the greatest songs of all time, and that's, uh, you know, that's him right there. Uh, legend, somebody who would be kind of familiar with the area, um, you know, from uh, just uh, up north uh, outside of Toronto. Um, and he did work on, and it's not just his music, but a lot of other projects. You heard with the, those uh, Scorsese yeah. films. It's not like, you know, sometimes you hear of an artist working on a film and they're like producing the score, you know, like John Williams or, right. you know, one of these uh, big conductors. 
he's working with other music, picking music from other bands, other musicians that go with the movie. And so yesterday I was seeing a lot of these bands that he had worked with and chose who kind of elevated their profile by putting them in these major motion pictures who are like, you know, thank you for what you did for us because, you know, you found us and, you know, all of a sudden that gave us, you know, this new level of fame that we hadn't reached before. So really integral and part of that. And there's one more movie that he worked on coming out soon. But sad news yesterday. um, And 80 years old, though, you don't really think of... Is old now. Yeah, and uh, you don't really think of him <laughs> being 80 because I think yeah. so many people are still watching The Last Waltz exactly. and you know all these film videos or concert films, excuse me, from so long ago. I, that That's the image that will be frozen with us, I think. Oh, absolutely. Your exclusive WBEN 7 weather forecast, mostly cloudy with rain showers likely this morning, a little break, and then scattered showers and thunder showers again later this afternoon with temperatures in the mid-70s. For tonight, it's partly cloudy and cooler, overnight lows in the upper 50s. Friday looks very nice with mostly sunny skies. We're in the mid-70s, breezy with scattered showers and thunder showers on Saturday. With your exclusive WBEN 7 weather forecast, I'm Chief Meteorologist Aaron Minkowski. Joining us on the line, Rosanna Berardi of Berardi Immigration Law. We're talking about uh, migrants and what happens when they have trouble with the law. After this case in Cheektowaga, where a migrant has been accused, charged of rape, a lot of questions as to what happens next. Rosanna, thanks so much for joining us uh, this morning. We'll we'll start with this particular case. Uh, Somebody now facing charges. What exactly happens in that situation are charges enough to have somebody deported is a whole trial uh, going to happen here and then let's say this person is convicted what would happen from there well good morning thanks for having me and great question so when we hear of situations like this people immediately think well they're just going to put this person on a plane and have them removed to their home country but Um, the criminal law system will actually take precedence. So in a situation like this, um, where an asylum seeker or a migrant comes to the United States, commits crimes, um, they will be referred to criminal court, as we saw in this situation, the DA's office was involved, and go through a regular criminal proceeding as any American citizen would. However, there's an immigration component at the end of it, So once they serve their time or they go through the judicial proceedings in New York State, they would then be turned over to the hands of the federal government and then set up for removal proceedings from the United States. So it's a long process, but it does involve the criminality side and then the immigration side. Okay. What kind of a timeline would a case like this suggest to you? Well, you know, it's really all over the place because we've got a lot of moving parts with a lot of government agencies and most things that the government move pretty slowly. Um, So it's hard to say what's happening for felony level cases, which the one that we're talking about here in in Chictawaga would probably be felony level. Um, You know, that that can take several months, depending on a lot of things in the court. And then it gets kicked over to the immigration service um, where the individual is entitled to a hearing before removed from the United States. And that's its whole other administrative process. 
And again, I'm sure you've heard already, the immigration courts are severely backed up. So in a situation like this, short answer could be years. Well, uh, this particular case has a lot of these questions, Rosanna. Among them is what happens to, and this is making an assumption here, but uh, it would be presumed that this is a family that we're talking about, a young child who was in this room, um, a woman who this person knew. Would the family uh, be perhaps sent back? Would they be faced with the decision is theirs? What kind of a case or circumstance would the family face? So it's unlikely that the family would be removed from the United States. I mean, even if they were, you know, let's just say the female was on uh, dependent on the, you know, the accused asylum application, um, if that was, if that was the case, there are provisions under the immigration law for like victims of domestic violence or victims of crimes to be able to stay in the United States. So it's unlikely that the woman and the child would have to go back as well. There's protections under the law that would allow them to stay. So it would probably just be the accused. And certainly this is a very serious offense. Um, you know, migrants and, and non-citizens get arrested all the time for offenses in the United States. And some of the minor ones are not going to be grounds for removal. Let's say like a petty theft charge. That's not going to be grounds enough for removal. But something at this level, um, when we're talking a rape allegation, is very serious and would be grounds for removal from the United States. All right. Well, you've explained two separate legal proceedings here for a case like this. Are there certain crimes that are automatic deportation? Well, there are things called aggravated felonies, and those are things that would definitely remove you from the United States with a very, very um, likely probability. So anytime you're facing removal hearings, um, you know, there are forms of relief, ways that you could say, well, I, I did this, but it'll be an extreme hardship to a U.S. citizen if I were removed. When you're charged with something like an aggravated felony that precludes you from all of the forms of relief. So it's almost impossible to stay here when you've got an aggravated felony charge like rape would be considered. Um, so there's, while it's automatic, that that's a, a bit of a strong word because the person is entitled to a hearing. It is very likely, given the situation, that that person would be removed from the United States. I, these cases sound pretty complicated. Um, I, I, yeah. who, who is representing migrants uh, in these cases when they come about? So there's a variety of agencies, um, you know, here in Western New York, Volunteer Lawyers Project um, is an example of one of them that, that can provide relief. The International Institute also provides relief to non-citizens in immigration hearings. The individual can always hire, you know, a private attorney. That happens as well. But typically in a situation like this, we'll see one of the agencies. Like any agency, these agencies are just overrun, you know, more demand than supply of, of workers. And, you know, it's it's a very difficult situation. And this happens, not trying to reduce the seriousness, of this, but this happens time and time again, you know, throughout the United States, different types of crimes, of course. But it is definitely an issue and it is very complicated it takes a long time requires a lot of people a lot of agencies um, it, it's it's a very difficult scenario 
Rosanna, we appreciate the uh, insight. That's the WBEN All Local. All new episodes are made available each weekday morning, produced by the award-winning WBEN Newsroom.